You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. Well, a couple of years ago, famous actor Chris Pratt posted on his social media, hi, Chris Pratt here, day three of the Daniel Fast. Check it out. It's 21 days of prayer and fasting. Isn't it cool that Chris Pratt does 21 days of prayer and fasting like we do at our church? And then he continued to joke that this diet might make me hallucinate if I keep doing it. And uh, perhaps some of you have felt that as we've been going through a time of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And then there is the YouTube star, Mr. Beast. Anybody know about Mr. Beast? Okay. Uh, This guy fasted on a bet from his friend Chris that he could go 30 days without food or else Chris could shave his head, okay? Unfortunately for Mr. Beast, Chris got to shave his head because on day 14, Chef Gordon Ramsay made Mr. Beast a sandwich, okay? So how many of you know your fast would be harder if Gordon Ramsay was making you some food? And perhaps some of you struggled with your fast during this time, uh, and that's a normal thing. In case you're new here, though, we've been in the midst of a series called 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting that we do every January, and some people have fasted from meat or chocolate or coffee or a myriad of other foods, and some people have gone without food for a certain amount of time just drinking water, and other people have fasted from social media or Netflix or TV of some sort, and there are all kinds of customized fasts that have been going on. And uh, one of the things that we did during the series that I thought was good was, you know, you guys were willing to write down the things that you're praying and fasting for on these little white magnets that are on the front of the stage and on the back of the soundboard back there. And, uh, you know, I I appreciated you doing that. And one of the things that I sensed the Spirit saying to us is that don't take a leap into fasting take a step and go one step further than what you've ever gone as it pertains to fastness. If I've talked to some of you, some of you have done that. You know, if you've just been accustomed to fasting from social media, then maybe you've added a day of going without food each week during the 21 days. Some of you have taken steps further than what you've ever gone, and I believe God's gonna honor you for that as you grow in prayer and in fasting. And one of the things that I want to submit to you today is that fasting doesn't just have to be a January thing. You can do it on a regular basis, maybe monthly, maybe weekly. You know, some people like to do what we call the Friday fast. You know what that is? I want to ask some of you to consider doing the Friday fast between now and Easter, praying that God would move powerfully at our Easter services. But the Friday fast is when you eat dinner on Thursday night, and then you go to bed, you wake up, and you skip breakfast and lunch, then you eat dinner on Friday night, and that makes a 24-hour fast that you can do. And see if that's something that God speaks to you about. But I really appreciate our church staff, and I wanna tell you why. Because I was down here during the week, during this season of time, and our staff members came and touched each one of your prayer requests and sat and prayed for them. 
during the week multiple times. So I want to thank Jake and Aaron, Rich, Ali, Pris, Pedro, Josh, and of course, Jeannie for their commitment. You guys are well loved and well prayed for here by your church staff. Would you guys join me in thanking them for their commitment to prayer? Yeah. I also want to thank the amazing Johnny D for two weeks of awesome, very practical teachings on prayer and fasting. Would you guys join me in that? And, you know, I consider Johnny kind of like the John the Baptist of City Tribe, you know? He comes in out of the wilderness and brings the locusts and wild honey, you know, when he comes. And so you're going to hear more from Johnny in 2024, um, and I appreciate him coming. You know, the last couple of weeks, we camoed the cameo. And not that I'm just a little bit bitter, but, uh, you know, I had the flu and I couldn't be at church, and you guys wore camo camo without me. And um, so I wore camo today in spite of you. So uh, anyways, I just wanted to have my own little camo party today. And the reason that we did the camo thing is because prayer can be like a spiritual battle. And we see this uh, spiritual warfare theme emerge in, in a lot of the passages about prayer. So would you stand with me now as we read our focal text for the day, and we'll see this spiritual warfare component emerge. This is Mark chapter nine, verse 17. It says, then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then he brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything... Have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one dead. So many said, he is dead, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. So before you sit down, tell someone next to you, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Okay, you don't have to keep standing. Go ahead and take a load off. This is where you sit down. And if you want to understand this story, you have to understand three things about the story. And they're the three P's of this story, which is the pleading parent. We want to be like the pleading parent. The powerless prayer. And number three is the powerful prayer, which is what we want to have, right? The pleading parent, the powerless prayer, and the powerful prayer. So let's break down each one of those. We'll start with number one, the pleading parent. And he said, Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And those of you that are parents know that there's not much more of a motivator 
than the pleading parent when you see your child suffering. This guy saw his child suffering. This was his only son, and he was hurting for his kids, so much so that he took a posture of humility when he got down on his knees before Jesus and he cried out to Jesus, can you please help us here? And can you imagine how this father felt when he had seen his child suffering this way? His child, no doubt, had burn marks on him, you know, scars from when the demonic spirit had pushed this kid into the fires. And they couldn't go to the ocean and play at the beach because they always had to worry about the demonic spirit trying to drown the sun, you know? And then imagine the bullying that this kid went through because other kids can be cruel, can't they? And when other kids saw this little boy convulsing and manifesting this demon, they probably thought he was weird, and so they probably ostracized him, and his father no doubt knew about this. You know, this boy probably didn't have any friends, and as a parent, can you imagine how he felt? Even if you don't have any kids, you can imagine how this father felt, and so as a pleading parent, we see his little faith when he says, Jesus, if you can do anything, Please help us. And Jesus is like, what do you mean if I can do something? All things are possible for those who believe. And then Jesus asked him a very interesting question. He says, how long, Jesus asked him, how long has this been going on? How long has this been happening? How long has he been like this? Why do you think he asked him that? I'll tell you why he asked him that. Because the longer we've been dealing with something, the harder it is for us to believe that it can change. Isn't that the truth? And can I ask you a question that might be a little personal? What's that thing you've been praying for for years that you're discouraged and praying for and you've just wanted to accept it as the new normal in your life? God wants to give you some encouragement today that it can really change even if you've been dealing with it, this parent, pleading parent had been dealing with this since his child was born, see? And so, Jesus wants us to know today, just like he encouraged this pleading parent, things can actually change. Look, no matter how long you've suffered, Jesus says, I can still save. Jesus says, no matter how long you've prayed, I'm still present. No matter how long you've hurt, I'm still the healer, right on? Does anybody wanna receive that from Jesus today? that's when this pleading parent prays one of my favorite prayers in the whole Bible because it's a very raw and honest prayer. He says to him, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. That's all he can muster up. He says, Lord, I've been discouraged, but I'm choosing to believe. And for whatever percentage of my soul I'm not believing in, please, Lord, help my unbelief here. And so, have you ever prayed a prayer like this? Have you ever prayed like the pleading parent? You know, this pleading parent, the characteristics of this guy were that he was willing to get on his knees and humble himself before God because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's what the scriptures teach us. He was also willing to literally cry out in a loud voice to Jesus. And then he chose to have just a mustard seed of faith 
So could you muster up just a little bit of faith? Could you cry out to God? Could you come and pray on your knees? You know, one of the reasons that we have these little sometimes prayer moments where we walk down to the front and kneel and pray is because we want to posture ourselves like this pleading parent. We're gonna have one of those moments later on in the service, you know, right after my teaching. But I believe that the kingdom of God needs more people who will pray like a pleading parent. You get that? The kingdom of God needs more of us who will pray like a pleading parent. I would agree with the great revivalist of years gone by. His name was Leonard Ravenhill. And he said, no man is greater. And I would add, no woman is greater than his or her prayer life. The pastor who's not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are straying. We have many organizers, but few agonizers. Many players and payers, few prayers. Many singers, few clingers. Many fears, few tears. Much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. Many writers, but few fighters. Failing here, we fail everywhere. Could we seek to be a people who pray like a pleading parent? Could we? So look at what Jesus has to deal with next. This is number two, and that is the powerless prayer. This is the kind of prayer we don't wanna have. We don't wanna be the powerless prayer, and you can see that this bleeding parent went to Jesus, and he says to him, hey, look, I spoke to your disciples and that they should cast out this demon, but they could not cast it out. Well, what's going on here? I mean, the the disciples have been doing so well. I mean, they were walking around the Holy Land, and they were like, casting out demons, they're like, cha-chow, you're out, you know, and they would go out, and they would go around and heal people. It's like, I don't know what it looked like. Maybe they put their hands on it. It's like, be healed, you know, and the guys fell over and got healed or whatever happened, but people were getting healed. Demons were going out left and right. All kinds of awesome, miraculous stuff was happening, but then they get to this one little boy, and everything stops. What changed? What were they doing wrong now? What did they leave out that kept them from being able to cast the demon out and heal this boy? Well, the answer may not be exactly what you think, and I'll get to that answer here in just a little bit, Um, but let's just say Jesus wasn't real happy with it. You can tell, you can see in the passage, he's a little bit perturbed because I guess Jesus is used to being in heaven where all the angels and heavenly hosts have complete trust in him, not the kind of wishy-washy faith that a lot of people have, and so Jesus says, okay, bring them to me, and at this point in the story, Jesus rebukes the demon. Okay, remember in past teachings, we said that when we cast out demons, the rebuke is like us punching them in the face, and sometimes we have to punch them multiple times. Jesus is a one-puncher, okay? And he doesn't even have to say in Jesus' name because he is Jesus, right? So he's a one-punch, you know, rebuke them um, in my own name, he would say, and the demon caused the boy to convulse and foam at the mouth and create a scene like demons tend to do. They wanna create this big scene and a show and objectify uh, the person, but Jesus isn't having it, and so he deleted that demon like an unwanted app on his phone. He uh, dropped that demon like a bad Wi-Fi connection. Can I give you one more? He dumped that demon like expired milk, sour and unnecessary, okay? Uh, So the demon is now gone. And here's the best part, is the kid was free now. Can you imagine how this kid felt? 
He could now go up to a fire, and they didn't, you know, have central heat and air in those days that we know about, and he could go up to a fire and warm his hands without worrying about being thrown into the fire. He could go to the beach and play in the water with his dad and not worry about being drowned. And just maybe, just maybe, he could have friends now rather than being bullied and ostracized by all the other kids who made fun of him because of his demon-induced epileptic seizures, maybe this boy could make friends again. And so that leads us to number three. What we want is powerful prayer. Do you want powerful prayers? Now look, in order to understand how to have powerful prayers, we have to go back to that question. Why couldn't the disciples cast out this demon? And some of you are gonna immediately say, you think you know the answer, and you're gonna say, because they weren't fasting, okay? Well, that's actually not the complete answer. That's a very truncated view of the answer. Um, So in order to get the answer, we have to go to Matthew's account of this story. This story is actually recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so look at Matthew chapter 17, verse 19. It says, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, look at the answer, because of your what? Unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind, somebody say this kind, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So from that passage, Jesus makes it very clear that the disciples could not cast the demon out because of their weak faith, because of their unbelief, because of their lack of faith, see? So it says, this kind only goes out by prayer and fasting. What is this kind, okay? Because there are two different theological viewpoints of what Jesus means or what the the story means by this kind. Now, the conventional answer is this kind is a certain level of evil demon, see? Now, we don't have to have this passage to tell us that there are levels of demons. I mean, you can go to Ephesians chapter six and it shows you four levels of fallen spirits. There are rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world and spiritual forces of evil. You can also go to the little story that Jesus told about cleaning out a house and says you cast the demon out of the house and don't refill it, then seven more what? Evil will come in. And so there are levels of power and evilness, I guess, in the fallen spirit realm. Now, so so that's viewpoint number one, that this kind is referring to a certain level of demon. The other viewpoint is This kind is not a demon, but rather this kind is referring to this kind of faith. That is the weak faith of the disciples. And people who hold to this viewpoint, they would be very quick to point out that in many translations of the Bible, it doesn't include the words prayer and fast. It doesn't include the words and fasting there. So if this kind only goes out by prayer and fasting, they would say a lot of translations, like you could pull out your phone right now and a lot of the translations you would read, it would say this kind 
goes out by prayer. It doesn't include the two words and fasting. And the reason that a lot of our Bible translations today don't include the words and fasting is because those words are not in some of the ancient manuscripts that scholars use to translate our Bibles from the Greek into the, the, the English that we read. So um, here's what I think. It's not just fasting that makes us powerful. It can't be. Because there are a lot of people that fast that can't cast out demons, right? Buddhists, Muslims, New Age spirituality people have no power over demons, and they fast. Heck, Mr. Beast, who is an agnostic, went without food for 14 days, which is more than what most people ever do, and he has no power over demons. So here's what I think it is. It's that, um, and by the way, fasting without prayer is just a diet, right? Fasting without prayer is just a diet. It's not just fasting, but it's fasting with faith in Jesus. So where does the fasting come in? Because fasting is, if that's not the key component there, then why did we just go through 21 days of prayer and fasting? Well, here's the thing, because we know from the rest of Scripture that fasting fuels faith. Could you say that with me when I point to you? Ready, here we go. Fasting fuels faith. Look, unbelief is like dirty underwear. It needs to be changed, man. And so you don't fast to earn God's favor. You don't fast so that you can have more religious works on a spiritual spreadsheet in heaven where God owes you an answer to your prayer. We come to God if we believed in Jesus as his kids. He wants to answer our prayers, but you fast because it fuels your faith in Jesus to believe that he can really do anything. And remember a couple of weeks ago, for those of you that were here, Johnny was telling us, and he gave us a great illustration that I think is very appropriate to our conversation today, that fasting to our prayers is kind of like adding nitrous oxide to your car, right on? All the men said, amen, right? I need a nitrous in my truck, right? Uh, anyways, is this picture on screen of this car on nitrous oxide, does that describe your prayer life of power? Or does this next picture describe your prayer life? George Costanza on a Walmart scooter, right on? Now look, this George Costanza on a Walmart scooter describes your prayer life if you never pray believing in faith with fasting. You follow me? So the very reason that the words prayer and fasting are in some of our translations of the Bible is because to the ancient and early believers, prayer and fasting were two words that went together most of the time. We have those uh, kinds of words that go together all the time too, like rice and beans, macaroni and cheese. These things, they just go together. Peanut butter and jelly, barbacoa and big red. Can I get an amen on that one, right? There are some things that just go together. And in the spiritual realm, prayer and fasting just go together, okay? Look at a few examples of nitrous oxide, powerful prayer throughout the Bible, see? Because we wanna look at the whole council of scripture, not just pick a proof text, right? So go with me to the city of Nineveh. The whole city fasted and prayed. They even made their animals and pets 
fast. I can't, would your dogs and cats want to fast along with you? No, they'd bark and meow at you the whole time, right? Uh, but their, their whole city fasted and prayed, asking for God's forgiveness because they were a violent and sinful kind of people. And they humbled themselves, fasted and prayed, and judgment was averted. God showed them grace and mercy. Then there's Esther who fasted and prayed to avoid a genocide. And because she, this catalyst for kingdom things, she initiated fasting and prayer, a whole people group, the Jewish people, their lives were saved. And then there's Daniel who fasted and prayed for 21 days and he got the answer to his prayer. Then there's Paul. The, uh, Paul prayed and fasted for three days straight right after his conversion to Christ and he became a great apostle. And then there are the elders of the church or the leaders of the church in Antioch who fasted and prayed for Paul and Barnabas before they sent them out as missionaries and all of Asia Minor ended up being you know, impacted by the gospel because they had sent out these missionaries. And then of course there's Jesus who fasted and prayed in the wilderness to defeat the devil and after that wilderness experience, Jesus' public ministry shot off like a rocket. So to be clear, why couldn't the disciples cast out this kind, whether it's a certain level of demon? Because they lacked the faith in their prayers. And why did they lack the faith in their prayers? Because they didn't fuel their prayers with fasting. Let me say it another way. Fasting plus faith equals powerful prayer. But we've decided to, to boil it down to this. Fasting fuels faith. Will someone say that with me out loud? Here we go. Fasting fuels faith. And so we don't fast just to lose weight. Remember, fasting without prayer is just a diet. We fast to build our faith, to believe that God can do what he says he can do. And look, there was a guy in the Protestant Reformation named John Knox who was known as a man of prayer and fasting. And look at what one said about his prayers. It says, Knox fasted and prayed so much that Queen Mary said she feared his prayers more than all the armies of Scotland. Does evil fear your prayers or does evil laugh at you when you pray? And then there's the great pastor Samuel Chadwick who said, Satan dreads nothing but prayer. His one concern is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, he mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when, he pray, when we pray. Anybody wanna make the devil tremble when you pray? Accompany it with faith and fasting. And we've been praying for some of you in this very room, some of you who are joining us online right now, perhaps someone who's worshiping in the video cafe next door, that you would have the capacity and ability to come to believe in Jesus Christ so that you can have a relationship with Almighty God. And look, today is your day receive that free gift by believing Jesus died on the cross for your sin. And you may not remember the guy. You may not remember me. Look, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody that can save anybody. Look, and you're the anybody, and Jesus is the somebody who can save anybody, and you can be that person today, right, on? <clears throat> Look. And... 
And we're gonna have one of those little prayer things that we do at the front. And I'm gonna invite you to stand up and we're gonna sing and all that, but here's what I wanna encourage you with. Is it some of you like me, and standing up requires you to bend your knees and you, you go upward. I'm inviting you to stand, stand up right now. So, so we're, we're gonna do that. And so what I'm inviting you into is that you, if, if you feel compelled to do so, is to come and pray like the pleading parent, you know? And I know that some of you perhaps have been a bit discouraged by that and um, you've been praying for something for a long time and it hadn't happened. And maybe the only faith that you can muster up to pray as you kneel before the Lord is, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, put it in your own words. Lord, I've been discouraged. Nothing's happened. This just feels like my, my lot in life. But maybe you'd wanna come and pray and say, God, please help my unbelief. God, if I have like 2% belief and 98% unbelief, would you help me with that 98%? Help me, help my unbelief. Let's fill this room with faith and let's believe that God can do what he says that he's gonna do as we pray and we worship.
I thank you. Yeah. We give glory to you and we thank you that you would receive us as we come like pleading parents, just with the mustard seed of faith that we have. And we're saying, increase our faith, increase our trust in you, Jesus. And someone today is coming 
to him and you, I was mentioning you earlier, it's like you've never had a relationship with God because you thought that you had to jump through a bunch of religious hoops. Well, if you want a relationship with God, just talk to him right now. You don't have to walk down an aisle. You don't have to fill out a church card or anything. Just talk to him right now and say something like this, just between you and God. Say, God, look, I know I've sinned and screwed some stuff up. And in this moment, for the rest of my life, I'm choosing to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to take the punishment for me in my place as my substitute. And he rose again from the dead to give me a whole new life. Welcome into my life. Thank you for those who did pray that, Jesus. And I know all over this room and next door and online, there are some pleading parents who have been praying for a long time. If you're praying like a pleading parent today because something's been going on for a long time, you prayed for it and nothing's happened yet, would you mind to raise your hand real quick? Anybody? Yeah, a bunch of us, yeah. So God, you see our hands. You see the mustard seed of faith that we offer. Will you help us? We ask you, good Father, to hear our prayers. And I believe that our good Father sees your hands, sees your prayers, sees your tears, sees your humility before him. And he wants to encourage you today, first of all, that you are a daughter, a son of the most high God, the king of the universe. And he loves you and he blesses you and he gives you a whole new identity and he's gonna provide for you and he hears you. The, the answer may have happened while you were praying. The answer may be on the way. But either way, you can trust him. And look, if you just raise your hands, I want you to just uh, pray a prayer with us. And I'm gonna get Ate's help on this. Aaron, would you come up and just Aaron's voice here. And he has total freedom to make this his own. And would you pray along with Aaron as he sings this prayer real quick? He will never fail. I trust in God, my Savior. Trust. 
God, that is our prayer to you, that we trust you. And whether our prayer just got answered or it's on the way, we trust you because you're good. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Well, you guys stay standing because we're almost done, but I just want to remind you real quick. Um, how many of you are like in your 20s? We got, uh, I, I looked on our church database, a bunch of people in their 20s. Some of you prophetically raise your hand. I wish I was in my 20s. But um, uh, if you're in your 20s, in college or in your 20s, we're gonna do four events for you this year. And the first one's gonna be a month from today. It's gonna be on February the 28th at 8.30 p.m., right here in the cameo. How many of you know these people stay up late, okay? Uh, so their thing is gonna start at 8.30 p.m. And so uh, we're grateful for that. As Jake mentioned earlier, pray that God would give you a number about what you're supposed to do generosity-wise. And if you're comfortable to do so, join hands with the brothers and sisters next to you. And I wanna speak a word of benediction over you. And I wrote you guys a poem for the benediction today because I love you, okay? So brothers and sisters, Fasting fuels faith, ignite the flame. In the spiritual battle, play the higher game. No matter how long you've suffered, God can still save. Through 21 days of prayer, a path to be brave. A pleading parent on bended knee, divine intervention, faith is the key. No matter how long you've hurt, God is the healer. Through fasting and prayer, let faith be the dealer. Breakthroughs in the making, struggles dissipate. In the prayer of faith, grace elevates. The clock may tick, but faith transcends time. Faith fueled by fasting, let your spirit climb. No matter the struggle, no matter the pain, through fasting and prayer, let miracles reign. In the journey of prayer, find strength anew. Let Jesus come and see you through. Man, you guys have an amazing Sunday. We'll see you time. Peace. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.